0: Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. 134 in Edmonton It's Brendan Escott here with you Final half hour of the show It's brought to you as always By Digitex Uh, We've been talking A whole lot of everything today It's a potpourri Friday, if you will That's how it goes Derek, I feel like I can hear you giggling Is your cue up? No, not even, I think that's you (laughs) Ah, Weird I don't know what's going on All right, nevertheless, uh, we have Dave Campbell on the line right now. We're ready we're ready to talk some Edmonton Elks football in advance of them taking the fields home field against Ottawa second half of two games in a row against the Red Blacks and kind of a a lucky break the way that Ottawa's season has gone and it comes at a good time for Edmonton who is trying to gain some traction and keep pace in the West. They've been able to do it even if only by the skin of their teeth. They are hanging on in this playoff race for what looks to be the crossover spot with Saskatchewan so you heard Reed mention it earlier I mean essentially if, if Edmonton had taken care of business at least once against the Riders they'd be tied for that spot or, or a lot closer to it so it's about taking care of business now especially ahead of this Labor Day series with Calgary they get Ottawa and they're hoping to snap the the home um, drought 12 games on home field Dave Campbell color analyst here on 630 Chad how you
0: doing today Dave Oh, I'm well, Brennan. How are you? As it's been uh, quite the whirlwind couple weeks for uh, both of us, buddy. <laughs> Working hard.
1: There's nobody who can say we're not working hard. That's for sure. Oh, yes. um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's uh, not boring. It, it, it's not. And and frankly, it's nice to talk about an Elks win coming off of a, a week where you know there was there's as much verse adversity going into that game last week as we've seen between uh, Mark Cordy having to slide over and, and play center in the absence of David Beard. Then they lose uh, both Manny Arsenault and Tony Washington. Maybe that's a good place to start this week. Is as, as, how uh, how how big a loss those
0: two veterans are are going to be for this elk side. Oh, huge. Uh, where do we start? Uh, well, let's start with Tony Washington, who was on the six-game injured list with a neck injury. And uh, this could be a season-ending type of thing. And if it's season-ending, it's career-ending because this is Tony Washington's final season in the Canadian Football League. So he's been he's been pretty good this year. And uh, he had some injuries out of camp. I know he had an illness, uh, non-COVID, in training camp, which kind of knocked him out for a couple of weeks. And uh, But, you know, he's been at the left tackle spot for most of the season, pretty established, you know, and 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 look good for a 36-year-old, and that's a tough position to play at that age, uh, left tackle because you're kind of on an island. But he's gone, so that's going to precipitate Martez Ivey moving from right tackle to left tackle, which he says, that's my natural position anyway. Uh, Played uh, left tackle in Florida and in the NFL and a little bit with the Argos. And then uh, Andrew Garnett is going to be put into the fire as he'll have his first pro start period. NFL, CFL, whatever, uh, at right tackle. Mark Corday moves from center to right guard, and uh, David Beard's back at center after being on the COVID protocol list uh, last week and missed the game in Ottawa. And Manny Arsenal's loss is, you know, I think it's significant. Leader in the room. And was having a great season. I mean, he was the second leading receiver behind Kenny Lawler, and uh, someone that you could just rely upon that could, you know, make those two or three key plays you need for first downs, or or make, you know, make those ten to fifteen yard plays. He had a twenty-eight yard play in Ottawa, which was a key play in the in the second half. And he's out with a high ankle sprain, and we don't know if that'll be the full six. We know, we know. We know how finicky high ankle sprains are. Just ask Leon Dreisaitl. Um, so this is uh, uh, two tough losses, but it's, uh, you know, the Elks have been used to the moniker next man up, and that's what we're going to have to see tomorrow again. Just with respect to uh, Andrew Garnett, he was on the practice squad for
1: a couple of weeks. Is that correct? Before getting tapped yep. here?
0: Yeah, um, he was uh, signed August 3rd. So he hasn't been around too, too long here. Interesting.
1: And, and the running yeah. game, I mean, it's been so... I think it was really evident, maybe more so last week than any other, when you're giving the different looks, introducing the running game and, and, and the efficiency with, even if you're not getting as many touches as they might hope, when Milanovic-Litre gets the ball, he's 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 breaking off some pretty good chunk yards, and that seems to allow uh, you know, the different looks and, and have to change the way that defense is playing the Elks. So when you talk about all these changes to the offensive line and the value that was provided by the running game, Game this week you, you hope that things will translate uh here on home fields and and uh, enable them to sort of
0: go about things the way that they were with that balanced attack last week yeah no question because the run game has been a key feature of the elks offense the last two games and i think it was about 135 uh, five yards or so against the riders and then about 120 against the the red blacks and uh you yeah, know milanovic litre is uh he's fun to watch you know he's he's big a low pad level but he's quicker than I think people give him credit for and he's good in space as well and he's just so darn smart um, and he's played the fullback position he's had to once before in a game move to the uh, starting tailback position because I think that happened in, in Hamilton when uh, Sherman Beatty had to come out because they had uh, an inju- injury to Tanner Green so that messed with the ratio so they just said well we're just going to put 3-4 out there in uh, Milanovic Litre and just let him uh, handle the workload you know he's he He's uh he's been full marks. And whenever Malika Irons has touched the ball, at least he does something, you know, special with it and rips off a nice run. And I think as well, Taylor Cornelius with his rushing numbers over the last two, three games, I think that's improved the offense as well. And you know, Chris Jones challenged Cornelius after the, the riders game, saying, in the first half your decision making was good, second half it wasn't. You know, if you have a chance to make yardage with your feet then do it. And he has been flushed quite a bit. I think he leads the league with uh, 21 escape runs and escape runs again, are just when you're flushed from the pocket and you're able to escape the rush. So that's, you know, too much, but at least he's able to to evade that and, and gain some positive yards. But it definitely has made Taylor Cornelius a better passer over the last couple of games.
1: Uh, chatting with Dave Campbell right now, color analyst of the Edmonton Elks here on CHED. Cornelius, uh, over 205 yards passing last week, one touchdown and no interceptions. So uh, limiting mistakes for this player is something that's been uh, a focal point all season long since he's taken the, uh, the reins over and some, some weeks he's looked great at it and others. There's been um, almost rookie mistakes being made by the second year player in a sense. Uh, what, what did you think of his performance in terms of
0: maybe one of the better ones that he's put together in green and gold last week? Yeah. I mean, no one really played well in that first half, right? It was a really tough watch, but they did get the touchdown late in the half to uh, get some momentum going into the half. And, you know, uh, a couple of things happened is one, they started converting second down or had second down conversions. Cause they think their second down conversion going into the first half was like 22%. And their average yardage on second down was, was just under a yard. It was 0.8. So they started to to convert on second down, but they started to be better uh, producers on first down. So I think that really helped. But you know, the thing with Taylor Cornelius uh, it's, it's, it's not the arm talent that, you know, that we need a question here. I mean, we know he has a good arm. We know he can be accurate. We know he can throw it in the tight windows. We know he can throw it down, down the field. And uh, we know he can make any throw on the field for the most part, but sometimes you just can't rely on your arm. And I think that's something last year when, you know, Jamie Alizondo was the head coach, he kept saying, Oh, he's got an NFL talent. He's got an NFL arm. Look at his arm, his arm, his arm, his arm. And it's like, okay, well it, that kind of plays into the psyche of a quarterback who was like, okay, my way out of trouble is to throw the ball downfield, right? And and how many times did, did that work? I mean, he got intercepted several times last year just trying to take risks. And now he's trying to be better a, a decision maker where if you need to go downfield, great. If you need to throw the ball into the intermediate area, great. If you need to check it down, great. And if you need to take off and, and get some yardage with your feet, you can do that too. So it's just becoming a more well-rounded uh, quarterback, that you're not relying on one thing, that you're relying on several different attributes in your game, whether you're a short thrower, or intermediate thrower, or a deep thrower, or whether you can run the football and get yardage that way. So I think it's still a little bit uh, in, in progress here. I think he's got a, a ways to go. But I think when you look at his performance last week in the second half, and and you look at the first half performance against the Riders, that's probably the template you want to see uh, Taylor Cornelius uh, hitting with uh, for most most of the time. So he's still not a polished uh, product because I mean his completion percentage is still around fifty nine percent, you know, which is uh, you know I would say in this day and age is low. But uh, you know I'll tell you he just he just keeps working. His demeanor is something that is. Fun to watch as well because you would you know it's kind of like Ricky Ray you would never know if you threw a pick or threw a touchdown so but he's definitely a work in progress the coaching staff has done a you know has done a good job with him and all they're saying to Taylor please execute what we're telling you to do okay we don't need you to be Superman out there we just need you to keep the offense on the field and and be efficient.
1: What are you hearing from his receivers when you talk to them about the kind of chemistry that they're building with this quarterback over the last several weeks? You got a lot of veterans in that receiver room between Kenny Lawler, Darrell Walker, and and Manny Arsenault.
0: You know, I think I talked to Kenny Lawler about Taylor yesterday, and Kenny Lawler loves playing with Taylor Cornelius. He he says he's very good in the huddle, very good in the uh, in the meeting room, and you look at the chemistry that they have developed since. Uh, That first start back in Montreal on July 14th, you know, Kenny Lawler has reaped the benefits. He's got over 400 yards receiving, four touchdowns, and he's had 12 second down conversion catches. That's good production. So those two have definitely developed some good chemistry. Uh, I think, you know, Manny Arsenal. you know, has said a lot of similar things. And, you know, he doesn't get the ball as much as uh, – the, as many targets as Kenny Lawler or, or Darrell Walker. With Darrell Walker, it's interesting because I, I, you know, these two were starting to, or were working on this chemistry last year. And I could tell there were times where it, it was really tough for Darrell Walker because.
1: Really tough for Darrell Walker because it sounds like we've dropped Dave. <laughs> Hang on to that thought, everybody. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, Looking at the veteran receivers that he's got to work with, I think that you have a lot more forgiveness from the standpoint of the quarterback with missing your throws and that sort of thing. And I guess having a a bigger room for error when you've got guys like Walker, like Lawler, uh, like... Um, a Manny Arsenault who attacked the ball and then turn around and try and turn it right upfield. So the receivers can certainly help the quarterback out in that regard too. Seeing a lot more of uh, guys like Chris Osi-Kusi on the special teams, but he stepped in. He's got, he's a bit of a burner there. Dylan Mitchell in the receiving core, another uh, speedster. He's out of Oregon. We saw him flash in the return game uh, last, last week, kick returning if you haven't listened to this show or Elks broadcast or whatever it, it's been a problem for a few seasons now there's just not a lot of juice coming from the Elks kick return not setting them up very well they've got to go a pretty fair length of the field most of the time so uh Dylan Mitchell's a nice addition there but uh but Dave you were talking about uh, you were talking about I believe Darrell Walker and building that chemistry with uh, Cornelius Yes
0: here Here we go, let's go old school uh, on the phone. But, yeah, they've been trying to build this since last year. And uh, overall, it wasn't very good last year. And I think this year I would still say that their their connection has been subpar. But they're starting to build it. There were two deep shots on the same drive in the second quarter, or second half rather, I think it was third quarter, where on one throw uh, Taylor Cornelius was about a yard – you know, threw the ball about a yard too much or too far ahead of Walker, and then the second, the, the two plays later, they go back to the same look. It's a pump fake. And Cornelius drops it in the bucket, and Sherrod Baltimore, just at the last second, reaches in and bats the ball in the Walker's hands. And then they score the touchdown, which broke that long, uh, long uh, touchdown-less touchdown streak of Walker who scored his first touchdown in 2019 as a member of the Toronto Argos. So, uh, you know, that's an area where I want to see that chemistry built, uh, be, be stronger. It, it's there with Lawler. Now it has to be there with Darrell Walker, and Lawler needs a Robin to his Batman, and I think Darrell Walker can still be that. But you know, I meant you mentioned Dylan Mitchell. We'll see what he can do tomorrow if he gets uh, how many reps he gets in the receiving core, and you know, can Kyle Loxley kind of step up a little bit more and become someone that can be more of uh, get more usage? Because I mean, the last two games, Brandon uh, Loxley has had two key catches of 20 yards or more, which set up scores or set up opportunities. So that's, to me, very important. So, um, but there's no question the receivers like what they see out of, out of uh, Taylor Cornelius. and Honestly, they, they like a quarterback that can move and get out of trouble, and uh, they don't mind improvising down the field if they have to.
1: Chatting with Dave Campbell, colour analyst of the Edmonton Elks here on CHED. Jake Ceresna playing in his 50th career CFL game. The former Red Black, in fact, uh, has been on fire, Dave, since returning from the six-game injured list. Uh, four sacks leading the team despite missing half the season here and uh, sacks in three <laughs> games in a row. So you, you see... First of all how much he was missed when he wasn't there. You see how he can impact the game and he has to be that impact playmaker on defense cuz you don't really have a whole lot of them.
0: Yeah, he's been he's been impressive. He's been very impressive since coming back and to have those four sacks in three games, 15 defensive plays and the fact that he has been rushing from his normal inside position but you know, there's been times where Chris Jones has bounced him out as well as a rush in, and he's been able to get pressure that way. So the fact that you can do it in a variety of ways and put pressure on the quarterback, I think that's very important. And Jake Sorensen has been a big part of the run stop. I mean, the last, you know, I'd say, what, four of the last five games, the Elks have been pretty good run stoppers. You know, they had trouble against the Riders. Uh, they gave up, I think that's their last time they gave up over 100 yards in, in a game, um, but four or five games, they've been pretty good. The thing with Jake Ceresna, and I talked to Chris Jones about this today, and Chris Jones is very happy with Sarezda. The one thing, though, he's got to stay healthy. So, and he's had some trouble doing that over his uh, CFL career. So, um, but you know, him in the lineup has been has, has paid off. So has Niles Morgan at middle linebacker. Enoch Maconzo has had a good couple of outings at Sam linebacker. But uh, you're right. I mean, the, uh, you know, the defense is showing some signs that they're. They're playing with that Chris Jones style of attitude and swagger. and uh, But, you know, they definitely need more individuals to, to step up for sure. But, uh, you know, Jake Sorensen is a good, good place to start for sure up front.
1: The feast line and the defensive backfields is a player I think most CFL teams would would like to have. But uh, McConzo oh, yeah. McCons- McCons- is a name you mentioned there, and he has seven first half tackles last week, not in the second half. I don't know if that was just how the game went or what have you, but in that first half, he was all over it. He looked great. He is the fourth overall pick from the most recent draft. And Dave, it looks like we're starting to see why that's the case, at least in, in that aspect of the defense, the tackling game.
0: Yeah, the early returns are, are pretty positive with Matonzo who, you know, at the start of the season, Chris Jones envisioned him more as a will linebacker. But you know, with the hash marks now squeezed together the way they are, I mean, the Sam and the Will are kind of, you know, it's the same thing. So same sort of sort of distance. So, but he's, you know, he's looked good. You know, one thing you notice about him is he likes to play down in the box. He likes the physicality of it for, you know, a player that is not all that big but he is not shy of contact. The the question with McConzo is, can he cover? Because at some point, he's going to have to cover downfield. In the last two games, he really hasn't had to do that. Although there was one play against the Riders, Keon uh, Schaefer-Baker, he got tagged by McConzo and he had to leave the game. Uh, Schaefer-Baker did. He he got tagged pretty good. So, you know, early going, it's good. But now it's just consistency. Can he keep it up? For now a third straight game, and uh, but so far so good. I mean, he and Niles Morgan and Adam Cohen have been a pretty good trio over the last couple games.
1: Looking forward to tomorrow night's game, Dave. We'll see you down at the stadium. Can't wait. See you tomorrow, buddy. Thanks for helping on the show. That is Dave Campbell, color analyst for the Elks here on 6.30. Ched, he and Morley Scott have the play-by-play duties 5 o'clock tomorrow when the Elks welcome Ottawa to town. I will have your countdown show at 3.30. We're back after one more timeout here on Oilers Now. We'll wrap the show after this. Royal Pizza. Pasta, so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years now. For a menu and a list of their 15 Edmonton and area locations, go online, royalpizza.ca, or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Escott recommendation today. And the spirit of football season is, in fact, the Texan. This day in Oilers history, a bit of an obscure one as we dial it back to 1952 when former NHL defenseman and University of Alberta alum Byron Baltimore was born in Whitehorse, uh, Yukon. Baltimore played just two games in the NHL. In 1979-80 with the Oilers, and then after his playing career, Baltimore became a litigation lawyer right here in Edmonton. So sticking around in town. If you're planning on doing that, if you're not heading out of town this weekend, I recommend you head on down to Commonwealth, where the Elks are hoping to snap this 12-game winless skid. The 1-8 Ottawa Red Blacks coming to town. It is the 3-7 and seven Elks looking to improve to uh, 4 and seven and keep pace again with Saskatchewan as things go in the West division. Big thanks to everybody on the text line today. This was the most fun I've probably ever had with the text line seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We were talking your favorite guitar players all uh, all afternoon long. So thank you for texting in. I appreciate your opinion. We will leave with one of my favorite guitar players. I do know that Dave Campbell has uh, Inside Sports tonight on six thirty. Chet, it's going to be a fluid show as I know right now. Tomorrow on uh, on six thirty. Chet. You've been hearing about it. Elks and Red Blacks live from the Brick Field. Countdown show here on Ched starts after the 3.30 news. But if you're heading down to the stadium, come on by and say hello. We're, uh, we're parked outside gate nine. I'll be there with a big smile on my face. Five o'clock game time. Morley Scott, Dave Campbell have the call. Up next here on 630 Chat, a global news weather traffic update with Rhea LaHue, followed by Angela Cocott from 2 to 3, and then 630 Chat Afternoons with Jalen Nye. It's Brendan Escott here. Thanks so much for listening and participating today.
0: Enjoy your weekend. So long from the 630 Jet Studios.